I've had the opportunity to gather a lot of information about people and what their brain looks like when they're having different problems. Hello, I am Annette Renee. Have you been through trauma in your life? Have you been healing and ready to move on now? Are you wanting to go from trauma to adventure and go with confidence? This is for you. This show is called Survivors Traveling Lightly. Thank you for being back to listen to the podcast today. I want to thank Anna Rob for being back again today. We recorded her segment all at once and I've just split it into two weeks. So let's jump back in where we left off. We will be talking about neurofeedback and things that it can help us with in our bodies. You've talked about the neurofeedback therapy. What exactly does that tell you about someone when you do that? When we do neurofeedback, we are looking at the electrical activity of the brain. And so we are measuring that using EEG technology. Brain mapping is a quantitative EEG, and it gives us a picture based on the normative database of what uh, any individual's brainwave activity is doing on multiple levels compared to the norm for their age and their gender and the location of the brain. So we can see all the different types of activity from very slow to very fast. I can see what they're producing too much of, too little of, an imbalance of, left-right hemisphere, front and back. I mean, there's a lot of different relationships of normal electrical activity in the brain and what abnormal activity causes. And so after seeing over a decade of, at this point, I've seen thousands of brain maps, that many meetings with people across the desk. And so I've I've had the opportunity to gather a lot of information about people and what their brain looks like when they're having different problems. It's, it's definitely like a language now. It's the thing about neurofeedback in terms of choosing a provider, it, it, choosing somebody who really understands that and understands how to approach it. It's kind of the Wild West right now. So there's a lot of people who are, have this new fun tool <laughs> doing neurofeedback. I just encourage people to find a provider that really has a lot of experience has an exceptional track record. You know, you bring up your issue to ask them specifically what their success rate is with that issue and how they treat it, what they expect to see on a brain map and what they expect to see resolved with neurofeedback therapy. The neurofeedback therapy itself is biofeedback for the brain using that EEG information. So during a session, you have leads on your head that are measuring your electrical activity and you're being trained a biofeedback loop in real time. We use the TV, and so uh, they get to pick a show. We have TV apps and shows, Disney Plus and Hulu and all that stuff, and they get to just watch whatever they want. The biofeedback is the dimmer screen. So we put a dimmer screen on top of what they're watching, and that is a reward feedback loop that literally encourages encourages their brain to produce normal activity and discourages abnormal activity. So if they're producing way too much of a certain type of activity, when they're producing less of it, they get a bright full picture and they can see the screen clearly. They're rewarded for producing normal activity. So the fade, the fade of the screen is just a constant in and out. It sounds like it would be really annoying, but we adjust it so it's just fading enough to get your brain to change, but not so much to make you really annoyed in your session. So it, it looks like the, the screen just kind of fading dark, kind of fading in and out as your brain waves are being trained to normalize. On my website, if you're more interested in that, you can go on the neurofeedback tab. The first video explains that in depth with video showing pictures of what that actually looks like. 
it's a 12 minute video that we show during our consultations and it helps helps me not have to repeat that a million times i want to help educate people in that regard i appreciate you asking about neurofeedback is absolutely the best kept secret in mental health and i literally get to see miracles all the time i see people get recovery that is not heard of in mental health i see people healed and and completely remediated from issues that normally we just talk about treatment we don't see people just come out of depression every day i've got some story that i could tell but talk to a mother who had lost a child some years back and never gotten out of the grief cycle and never gotten out of the depression and the sadness and literally was scoring everything like eights and nines of like out of 10 being the worst this was just her 20 session check-in everything was like at a two and she's doing great i don't have any signs of depression those kinds of stories i ask god to help me never get used to that because that's what neurofeedback does and I, I ask him to give me the grace to provide more of it and to help more people without losing myself in the process because it is such an incredible tool. It is an incredible tool. And at this point in my career, I have enough experience where I can use it really, really well. And I know what to do and I know what people need. And I, I do really in-depth interviews with people when they come in to make sure, do they need counseling? Are we looking at physical issues, spectrocell, uh, neurofeedback? Um, I want to make sure that I'm not missing anything. We are not a numbers game here. You know, we're treating individuals. And that's the signature of this practice. It always has been. It's why I left the practice where I was and started Abundant Living because I wanted to be able to attend to quality control the way my heart felt led to do it. You know, so it's that God has just been so faithful to lead and guide my hands in healing and just in that way. I can't say enough about that. So thank you for asking. There's a lot of information on the website for people who are more interested, lots of testimonials and lots of explanations for that. When we talked, you mentioned being able to help with like, I don't remember if it's ADHD or ADD. Is that with the neurofeedback? Both. Yeah. Attention issues, ADHD, ADD processing, that's going to be neurofeedback. Right. So that's another one that in the world of psychiatry, we do not talk about healing ADHD. We don't. It's not something that's possible without something like neurofeedback because it is an electrical problem. Typically, brain patterns are going to show very high elevated magnitude of slow waves, like slow cars on the highway that are preventing the faster processing speeds from getting through. And so it's a physical problem in the brain, which is why stimulant medications help but they also have a lot of side effects. There's other reasons why people can become inattentive, but that's one example. Neurofeedback literally trains the brain to stop producing all that slow activity and also to increase more of the the faster processing speeds so that you can literally remediate attention disorders, reduce or eliminate the need for medications. That's a great example of something that we haven't been able to talk about healing without tools like neurofeedback. So very exciting. That is great because I know there's so many kids that that has effect, is affecting. Yes. Do you think COVID is also affecting more kids in showing up in that way? Or Yes. That's okay. a great question. It's an insightful question because you're probably seeing that, I'm guessing, on the teaching front. But trauma presents as attention disorder a lot of times in kids. Okay. And a really good psychiatrist is going to eliminate 
trauma before they diagnose a kid with ADHD and give them um, stimulant medications. Because if a kid's traumatized and their brain is overactive and their fight or flight, you know, an overdrive, and that creates a different kind of noise. That's like too many fast cars zooming around on the highway. And then they can't focus for a different reason. Okay. Yeah. And if you put a kid like that on stimulants, as you've probably seen. Oh, yeah. Outbursts and anger and it makes it worse and not better. So, yes. And that's true for adults, too. A lot of us are feeling like... <laughs> They keep coming out with new emojis. I'm like, yep, I'm feeling that one. There's one with like the little circle eyes. And I'm like, yep, that one. <laughs> I can't explain it, but it's like, looks like little targets on the eyes. And, and I think we all feel a little bit of that with being scared, traumatized and all the things we've discussed. We become less attentive. It's harder for us to pay attention. Depression causes that as well. You must be asking because you're seen in the classroom. I'm seeing a lot of it in the classroom, but definitely the faster brain thinking is mine. Hyperspeed. But definitely seeing a lot of the other in the classroom. From a teacher's perspective, I would like to hear that as well. As far as students, um, yeah, I see some, and I don't know if it's necessarily just trauma, if it's just not in the habit of doing their work, yeah. or that they're having more you know, more trauma and more ADHD. But they have, a lot of them are slowing down. With focus. I have a lot who don't want to do their work. Right. It's hard as a teacher to know specifically what the problem is other than to say, you know, try to do things to help the kids. Yeah. If you're paying attention as a teacher, that is, is a great thing to pay attention to when kids become inattentive. I've never been a teacher. I don't know the rules of the classroom, but just checking in with them, asking them how they're doing. They feeling okay, you know, because you never know why a kid is zoning out, especially a kid that hasn't zoned out before. That's definitely when you need to pay attention is a kid that's just suddenly not engaged the way that they have been in the past. Right. And kids who already were diagnosed, anything that was hard is, I would say, harder now in general. I'm sure you probably see that. I think there's some kids that are really resilient. We do the best that we can with distance learning. Right. And I have kids who turn work in. I have kids who have their, all their work done when they come back from distance learning. Right. There are the kids who don't do anything while we're on distance learning. And that makes it a little difficult. Yeah especially in a class that builds on itself, to keep going, keep keep knowing what's going on. Right. Some jump back in and, you know, get the help that they need and get caught back up. Others just shut down and, you know, reach out and get them back to be motivated to learn again sometimes is, is a trick. But I do work on that to try to talk with them and try to reconnect with them. Yeah. And that's so hard because some kids, they do okay as long as they have instruction in the classroom. Right. But when they're left to their own, you know, devices, even my daughter, I mean, I mean, she has an amazing testimony in neurofeedback and with ADHD, and she's in 10th grade now, and, and she's doing amazing. But the stress she puts on herself, having to do particular things in algebra and trying to learn at distance learning versus being in the classroom, being able to ask questions. You know, I'm like talking her off the cliff yesterday, <laughs> you know, because she's just like going into OCD land about trying to worrying about how she's going to do on the test. And of course, she always does great. And we talked through it and then she was fine. She was a snow day and they also did distance learning and she was already kind of concerned about this unit. And she's a straight A student and she's in tears. She's in tears. So I know I'm like, God have mercy. Right. I can't imagine what it would be like to have a kid who really just couldn't pull it together. Uh, and especially going back and forth. Kids need structure. I have more respect for, for working parents, mothers especially, and any working parents who've had to help their younger children 
through this time of instruction. Yeah. I cannot even imagine. Yeah. Those parents are unnamed heroes right now. I know what I was managing and I was just so thankful that my kids were independent and really didn't need my help except for some <laughs> some right. cheerleading but outside of that. Yeah, I would have struggled with having to teach some of the math that they're teaching, the format that they're teaching in. I never had a graphing calculator. Right. Well, yeah, yeah, especially. Right. I, I know. I, I'm like, I, I graduated college algebra and I'm like, I'm looking at it. If you want to talk through it, I'm, I think I can, I think I can pick it up again. But uh, yeah, I, I didn't have one of those calculators either. I still yeah. don't. I teach chemistry. I don't have a graphic calculator. Right, right. You know, I have a ten, fifteen dollar calculator. Last time I priced them. <laughs> you know, I get that the math is difficult. It would be for me nowadays, like I said, and for dyslexia. You said that there were some th- things that you could do to help with dyslexia. Is that also the neurofeedback? Yes, yes, it is. Dyslexia is a processing disorder. Whether it's in the visual cortex or more closely related to centers that are connected to reading, I've had great success helping dyslexia. People vary in terms of their improvements. There hasn't been anyone I've ever treated that has not improved in that regard. And I would say most have improved market improvements. Processing is the issue. How the brain is taking in information, translating it, and getting all parts of the brain on board that have to do with processing information, whether it's the frontal lobe and focus and assimilating information, the answer is yes. There's help for dyslexia much more than I think most people are aware of with neurofeedback. Well, very good. Mm-hmm. Very good. I'm glad to hear that. I will definitely share that with the people that I know. Right. Right. What are some things that you do, speaking with all the depression and things and anxiety, to help you either with self-care daily or just, like you said, the mountain trips that you went on? Oh, for me, getting out of my routine and going to the mountains was hugely therapeutic. I love to walk and hike and all that. During the winter is especially difficult because I just, treadmills are just not the same. You know, I want to be outside. When I'm on my game, I'm outside trying to walk regardless. Uh, But it's hard. Nobody wants to go outside when it's freezing cold. And I don't. Um, You know, on days like this week, I'm not not going out. I'm like, I have the ski clothes I could wear and I just don't do it. So it's harder. It is harder during the winter time. I think with staying connected, being intentional about having people that I connect with and talk to on a regular basis is massive. I think some people, you know, more introverted, maybe haven't had as much trouble or they've made jokes about this being great. Like I have friends who we've made a commitment to try to have a phone call at least once every couple of weeks. Be intentional. I have a coach and a therapist. I coach that I talk to weekly, therapist that I've I've had therapists, honestly, I must always have a therapist going somewhere just because I think that's good self-care. I deal with a lot of stressful stuff and I have a life too. And having someone I can talk to that I don't have to filter is extremely important. I have a coach that I have access to that I can just contact more loosely. It's not so much by appointment. I can reach out and more on an as-needed basis, and that is very helpful. Somebody who's encouraging me is that's huge. Being transparent and honest in my friendships is really important. I joke about all the things I'm used to talking about in therapy. People do share with me quickly. And in consultations, a lot of times I hear things that people have never told anybody in their life. And just a consultation. I do not take that lightly. I'm so respectful of the fact that people trust me on that level. So I I don't have a very good gauge of what's normal to talk about. 
because I'm used to talking about everything and people generally just open up and enjoy talking to me but sometimes I have to okay where where am I should I take this conversation further shut up in general I think people just respond well to just wanting to, to being seen and heard but being honest in our relationships for me that's easy because I do that for a living but I know it's not easy for a lot of people talking about their real hard things with each other is can't say enough about it self-care it's so simple the grooming the getting up and getting whether you're working at home get cleaned up put your clothes on at least pull your hair back like get ready wash your face do the things pull yourself together There's only so much working in your pajamas that's going to feel healthy. At a certain point, you're going to start to feel homeless. And that's not a good feeling for anyone, you know. So we need to stay with our daily routines. Take your baths and do the extra things. If it's going to get your nails done or going to get a massage, that one's funny for me. I don't know why it's so hard for me to commit. It helps me so much. And I'm the worst at just scheduling massages. I could do more of that. I should. When I went to Colorado, I found somebody I loved and literally was just like on his schedule the whole time I was there. And it helped tremendously. Physical touch is really important for us. A lot of us aren't getting nearly enough of that. Just connection, hugs, know yourself, know what you need and reach out. If you don't feel good, tell somebody. So many people are conditioned to just try to suck it up, figure it out, drink a glass of wine, try to hide it, try to look normal post a Facebook picture that looks normal so you convince yourself and the rest of the world that you're okay. We've got to stop doing that. That's nonsense. We've got to stop. I agree. There are things that I look back and I should have caught as triggers, you know, are things that would have identified to me that I needed some help or that wasn't the right thinking and stuff like that, but I didn't catch it. Yeah. You know, I just didn't catch that those weren't right at the time. When you're in it, sometimes you don't. Oh, and that's how we learn. So there's definitely I'm those. speaking from my own experience. <laughs> Absolutely. And um, I enjoy, I mean, this summer, just being outdoors anyways is a big thing to me. But yeah. this summer I did, we went on a big hiking trip um, to URA. I just knew I needed to get with people once I was getting over the major depression from the yeah. divorce. And, you know, COVID was getting calmer yeah. and we're getting back out. On Meetup, I found a hiking group and I tried to find some art groups and stuff like Good. that. And I've been trying to find some art groups, like with their meeting at the library. So I don't know that those have started again. Is Meetup an app? Is that yes. something people can download? Yes. Yeah, Meetup's an app. Meetup. That, awesome. Yes. I'll get into more details on another podcast about all that, too. Good. Started going to meetings with that. Some of us went to different hiking things and met with different people, and I met some people there. And so some of us went and did some different hiking locations. There's also a women's group in Tulsa that meets. I've gone to museums with them and gone hiking with them, and they try to do different activities quite often. Good. So that's helped, and I've gotten involved in, in church and more activities. So just getting involved has been a big thing. Getting outdoors has been a big yeah, thing. That's huge. You're, and your ways to connect. The Meetup app, for, for a lot of people, they want to do these things, but they don't know how. And right. so what you're saying is really important for apps. Like you said, with churches, a lot of churches closed, and they weren't even right. you know seeing people that way. A lot of people, it's the figuring out where do I connect and how that you're presenting that's so powerful right now. And we're going to talk about that a lot more. Mm -hmm. I mean, I want to do some healing and maybe some healing every month. And working on trying to help people 
as they're getting the healing, first identify they need it, find places they can go. Right. But then once you're feeling like you're getting that, getting you back out, getting you doing things, getting you involved, and that's where I'm focusing on mostly taking the interviews day by day or week by week, wherever I feel I'm being led. And this month's all about awesome. healing. But then moving on to getting out and doing Good. things, being active. Good. That's where this podcast is going. I got a kayak, went out and kayaked a lot. Oh, fun. Yeah, the kayak itself I've probably paid for. Now the bars I had to get to go in my car, I probably have not. But <laughs> <laughs> didn't expect those to be that expensive. Yeah. If I didn't have a Honda, they might not have been. <laughs> but, yeah, um, that's fantastic, though. I had a friend who paid $45 for her bars. I'm like, oh, I can do that. And I didn't research it. I just bought a kayak, and then mine were more expensive uh, than my kayak. Well, so. <laughs> it's worth investing in yourself, though. It is. I mean, it's been fun, and I can't wait. I am definitely a fair weather yeah. outside person. I don't. I have friends who are going out hiking in the cold weather. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. And they want me to go so bad. I mean, I didn't even have long johns. When cold weather happened, I had to go buy long johns, so I didn't have anything warm to put underneath. I hear you. It's an adjustment to to learn to do that. And I have a treadmill right here <laughs> that I haven't used since all this has happened. So Yeah, there are definitely hacks to being comfortable in cold weather. I mean, I went I went skiing over Christmas uh, in the mountains in Winter Park with my with my daughter. And, I mean, you, you get enough clothes on, you're really comfortable. And I'm like, right. I'm going to do this at home. <laughs> I'm going to, yeah. you know, and easier said than done. But it is possible. It is very possible to be comfortable outside in the cold. In the kayaking group, there's some kayaking group that I joined for Oklahoma Kayaking, and they show a picture that was on the news yeah. of somebody out on the lake in their kayak this week. <laughs> goals. Hashtag goals. Yes. Yeah. Yes. For personal self-care, I mean, just daily self-care, I love doing art. I try to do that. Good. I don't get to do as much during the school year because I'll sit down to do something, and I just can't quiet my brain just to the art or get started sometimes. I can doodle, but I can't, like, paint and do a big painting or something. Yeah. So I can doodle, and I I color. If I get to a point where I can't do anything else, I can color. Yeah. It's not something that my mind has to be figuring out. Yeah, like the adult coloring books? Yes. Good, good. Those are great. used to doodle and make them. I mean, basically, I made pages like that, so eventually I'll probably get back to that. Oh, nice. I do have art that I'm trying to sell. So just, just different things that are me that are not related to school have been things that I've been trying to do. That's fantastic. Have yeah. you posted any of your art online? I have some on Instagram. Okay. I can send you the link and I can put it I'll here. I'll have to look it up. Yeah, yeah, please do. I appreciate this time. I appreciate you talking to me. You're so welcome. Thank you very much for coming and talking with us. I appreciate you being here. We'll put your website information in the bottom of the podcast. Okay. I appreciate your information. Thank you very much. Thank you, Annette. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Please comment below about what has been most useful for you or what you do when you need to relax. Thank you for listening to Survivors Traveling Lightly. We will be hearing other people talk over the next couple weeks about ways you can heal from your trauma. If you enjoyed listening to this show, please hit the like button below and also subscribe. Also, you can go to our Facebook page at Survivors Traveling Lightly to join and start following us there. I hope you have a blessed day.